Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Title of the message this morning, Behold the Suffering Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, it's recorded in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. As we look through the Bible, we find several applications of that uh, statement. First of all, uh, he came as the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of the Passover that Israel sacrificed every year. He's also the one who is prefigured here in Isaiah 53 as the suffering lamb. He's the one that we read about in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the sovereign lamb. Worthy is the lamb which was slain. Last month, when we observed the Lord's table, we focused on the sacrificial lamb of the Passover, the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 12. And there we learned that that lamb had to be perfect. It was slain at the threshold of the door, and its blood was applied to the doorposts and the lintel, showing what we look back and recognizing as the shape of the cross. Jesus died as that spotless lamb of God on the cross, slain for our sins. Before we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, I'd like us to look at this chapter and see the suffering lamb. If we back up a few verses, uh, the last three verses in chapter 52, we'll find out who this lamb is. He's the servant of Jehovah. Uh, we, God is the one who's speaking in these last three verses, and we'll see that in the, first, the second word. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. So God the Father is talking about his servant, Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh. And uh, he, he's telling about who this is, and that's, the, that's on the doorstep to, to Isaiah 53. There's another, there are other servant of the Lord passages in the prophecy of Isaiah. In chapter 42, 49, and then uh, 52 and 53. And all of these servant of the Lord passages are talking about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in verse 13 of 52, we read, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And many were astonished or astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of, man, of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him or because of him. For that which had not been told them, shall they see? And that which they had not heard, shall they consider? Just a few thoughts on these verses. The sprinkling here indicates the, the cleansing by the Old Testament priest. And it says here that people from all nations, not just Israel, but all nations, will be cleansed by the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Christ will, be, will silence kings. Did you see that section? Uh, they won't be able to speak because they're going to recognize him then as king of kings. They missed that before. And so we have several things here. And Isaiah 53 is, is, is a wonderful passage. It's called the gospel in Isaiah. Um, it's not read in the Jewish synagogues nowadays. It's referred to as the forbidden chapter. There are several YouTube videos where people walk the streets of Jerusalem and interview Jewish people and 
And they're asked to read those verses in Isaiah 53. And then they're asked, who is this talking about? And, and they agree, it's the Messiah. And, and some are pushed further and they say, it sounds like Jesus Christ and what he did. Well, Philip exclaimed that same truth to the Ethiopian eunuch when that eunuch was writing and reading from Isaiah 53. That record is in Acts chapter, 20, or Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. Let me read that. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. That's verse, verse 7 of Isaiah 53. And then he goes on, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? Or who shall talk about his life? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, or answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself, Isaiah, or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Why? Because that's who Isaiah 53 is all about. Jesus is the suffering lamb of this chapter. Isaiah wrote the words of this prophecy, and you think about it, 700 years before Jesus went to the cross and fulfilled that prophecy. 700 years, more than twice as long as the United States has been around. And yet Isaiah perfectly described the Savior's death as the Lamb of God. When Jesus died, he ended the need of all the Old Testament animal sacrifices. Those are what the law demanded. And Jesus came and fulfilled the law. He, those sacrifices providing what the Old Testament calls a covering for sin. When Christ died, he removed our sin once and for all. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 10, those Old Testament sacrifices can never take away sins, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the Lamb of God, slain to make salvation available to all who come to him, and trust him as their Lord and Savior. Okay, you thought we'd never get there. Let's look at Isaiah 53, verse 1. We'll look at three points, three main points that describe this Lamb of God in this chapter. The suffering Lamb, first of all, was despised and rejected. We see that in verses 1 through 3. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. This is prophetic. It is asked in the future to those who would reject Christ as their Messiah. They had refused to believe the prophets. The Jews are the ones who are called on for the answer. Who hath believed our report? 
Uh, Isaiah is speaking here, but he doesn't do it in the first person like we saw God speaking at the end of chapter 52. Now Isaiah is speaking, but he's including, it's plural, who hath believed our report. Uh, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This question, he, he's including himself with the Jewish nation and, and really, by extension, all people who have sinned as we get to uh, verse 6 and 7. So Jesus cried out, uh, they, they refused to believe the prophets. Jesus was the one who said in Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. So in retrospect of the cross, he's saying, who hath believed our report? You didn't believe what the prophets were telling you. You would not. They also failed to recognize his power. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now when, a, when an arm is revealed, when someone had someone do that this week, roll up there, it was a child, but he rolled up his sleeve to show me his muscle. <laughs> okay. That's God revealing his arm. Well, he's revealing his strength. And yet they wouldn't believe. Jesus, when he came, performed all these miracles in their sight. They saw, they heard of the things, and yet they refused to believe that he was God. And so again, in retrospect, Isaiah is saying, you've, you've, you've not believed, you've not received the report. They overlooked the humility of how he came, his coming. It says he grew up as a tender plant. That's that twig that sprouts from the side of the, the stump of a tree. Arborists usually break that off and they say it just wastes the, the nutrients that the tree needs. That's the way the Jews looked at Jesus. He's unimportant, just break that off. He grew like a root in the dry ground, like a, a root on the pathway that people, that people trip over. They said, let's take that out of the pathway. That needs to be removed, it's in the way. Wonderful to see what Isaiah says in Isaiah 11.10. says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign or a sign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. That's quoted in Romans chapter 15 and verse 12. Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. He's speaking about Christ. He's the root of Jesse. And they overlook this tender plant. Break it off. It's in the way. Get that stump out of the way. And they turn their eyes from him. It says we hid as it were our faces from him. Certainly nothing attracted their attention. The suffering lamb had no form, no comeliness, no beauty that would be pleasing to them. When we consider the crucifixion of our Lord, that was a, a horrifying scene, and people averted their eyes. They turned away their faces. It says that he was despised and rejected, and they esteemed him not. And we say, what a, what a mistake they made to turn their eyes away from the one who could provide their salvation. The choir sang about it today. John 3 you know, verse 16, verses 14 and 15 say, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Talking about his crucifixion on the cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do not despise the Lord Jesus Christ, the suffering lamb. 
look to him and live. Second point, the suffering lamb died in our place. We'll look at verses 4 through 9. Let's just read the first uh, verses 4 through 6 first. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's no mistaking these verses, the the fact that he died in our place. He died as a substitute. Consider how these verses describe what Jesus did. He bore something that was ours, our sin, our grief, uh, that is our diseases, our, our anxieties, our sorrows, the pain, the affliction. He carried that. He bore that. It's because of our sin that brings grief and sorrow. We thought this punishment was something that he deserved, that God was smiting him, but it was for us. Verse 5, the wording emphasizes the fact that he took the punishment that we deserved. It was for our transgressions that he was wounded. The word wounded means pierced through to the death for our transgressions. It was for our iniquities that he was bruised, and that word bruised means crushed. For our peace, he was chastised. That's a word that in the Old Testament has to do with punishment. And the phrase, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, means that Jesus was punished so that the remedy would be peace. That that peace could be ours. Peace with God is what we need most. And Jesus made that available. These verses also tell us what we did. We saw what he did, now what we did, we went astray. Verse 6, all we like sheep, all of us, none of us are without sin. We, the departure from God is personal. Isaiah is including himself in in this statement. Have you admitted that? If you say, yes, I'm like a sheep, I have gone astray, I've gone my own way. Like sheep, Philip Keller who's a shepherd and also an author, many of you have read him, writes, the stubborn, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient sheep that persists in pursuing its old paths and grazing on its old polluted ground will end up a bag of bones on ruined land. Then he makes this application. This world we live in is full of such folk. Broken homes, broken hearts, derelict lives, and twisted personalities remind us everywhere of men and women who have gone their own way. It says we have turned to our own way. We've turned from the direction that he wants for our lives to the direction that we want to take. Jesus said in Matthew 7, there are only two roads in life. There's a broad way that many are on and it leads to destruction. There's a narrower path that few travel on, but it leads to life. Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, I thought this would be okay. Look to where the path ends. Psalm 37.23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Don't go your way any longer. Your own way. 
We also see what God did in these verses. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The verse begins and ends with that word all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're all sinners. That's what the first all tells us. And then we read, the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Oh, that's a wonderful promise. That your sins can be carried away from you on him. God made forgiveness available to all who would come to him and to accept the payment of, of Christ on the cross. He died as a substitute. Secondly, in verses 7 through 9, he died willingly. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, mute, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. As a lamb, he followed right to the death without any complaints. He was silent. He was taken from prison and from judgment. There were three religious trials and three civil trials the night before his crucifixion. The people wanted to give an external appearance that we're doing everything by the book. This is just. This is right. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He was taken from prison and judgment. And he was cut off or stricken for the, transgre why? For the transgression of my people. He went with the wicked, he dying the death of a criminal among criminals. And with the rich in his death, he's buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea the rich man. He died willingly. When Peter cut off the ear of Malchus there in the garden, the Roman soldiers came in. Jesus put it back on, healed him. Matthew says, Jesus told him, put your sword in its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? He didn't have to die. He died willingly. He was taken willingly. And he asked, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that this, thus it must be? He died because of the fulfillment of all the prophecies. John 10, 17 and 18, he said, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly of myself. I have power to take it, to lay it down and take it back again. He said, this commandment have I received of my father. Third point. The suffering lamb satisfied the law's demand. Verses 10 through 12, and then we'll be done. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Again, the servant of the Lord we're talking about. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This death was the will of God. There was no other hope for redemption. There was no other way that man could be saved. It was in the will of God. It was his eternal plan. 
It's only by knowing Christ that a man can be justified. We read that uh, by his knowledge, verse 11, that's by the knowledge of him, of Jesus. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Again, not knowing about him, but believing he died for you by placing your personal faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. That's the way of salvation. Verse 12 speaks of Christ's exaltation. And there are four reasons that uh, we are given of why Christ was exalted. They follow the word in verse 12, because um, he poured out his soul unto death. Again, we see a pouring out. This was something he did willingly. His sacrifice was complete unto death. He didn't just swoon and revive in the cold tomb. He died and was resurrected. He was numbered with the transgressors. We mentioned that among the thieves. And really he identified with us. We're all sinners. He bore the sin of many. We just need to stop and ask, does that many mean all or some? The sacrifice is available for all. When he, Jesus died on the cross, he made salvation available to all who would come by faith and put their faith in him. Every person needs to respond individually to receive that payment. Let me read another verse with that word, that same word, many. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So yes, he died for many. He died for all, but those need to receive him, and as many as who will, will be justified. He made intercession for the transgressors. He prayed for sinners on the cross. Remember, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Hebrews 7.25, we find that he prays for us today. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Behold, the suffering Lamb of God. He was despised and rejected. He still is today. What about in your heart? Is he despised in your life and in your mind? Is he rejected? Or will you receive him? He died in your place. You need to accept his payment for us, for me. He suffered. So accept his death as payment for your sin. And he satisfied, he satisfied God's holy demand that sin must be punished. He took your punishment for you. Let him make you right before God.